Amen. Let's, let's start off uh, at the beginning. Amen. In the book of Genesis. So go to the book of Genesis chapter 1. And um, so today, we're going to be talking about... Thank you, Debbie. Uh, could, could you grab me a bottle of water as well, just in case? Aye, aye. Praise the Lord. <laughs> it, it don't matter. <clears throat> thank you. <clears throat> Man, Ted was about came out of his chair. I got it. <clears throat> but anyway, um, we're going to be talking about supernatural increase. And y'all are familiar with the fact uh, that the Lord... He really instructed me to talk about this. It wasn't something I desired to do. And so I just want to make sure that you guys are reminded of that. Um, it's not something that I really wanted to do, but I embraced, you know, uh, what the Lord wanted me to do in that because um, I knew that if I didn't, um, I, would, I, will, I would be out of uh, his will. <laughs> and I didn't want to be out of his will. So I was obedient and began to teach on this subject back in 1999. And uh, first time I'd ever talked about it. I'd been in the ministry since 1984 and only spoke on finances in 19, began to speak on finances in 1999, began to instruct God's people. And the Lord told me the reason why is because um, uh, God intended to, uh, uh, God's always intended to prosper his people. That's, that's the desire of, of God. It's the desire of heaven. In fact, the Bible says um, that God is pleased when his servants prosper. Psalm chapter 35, verse 27 says, I'll let them shout for joy and be glad that favor my righteous cause. Let them say continually, let the Lord be magnified who has pleasure in the prosperity of his servant. So we know that God is pleased when his servants prosper. Now, if God's pleased when his servants prosper, imagine how pleased he is when his children prosper. Glory to God. Amen. So uh, God... Uh, uh, it's God's desire for us to prosper and to be in health, even as our soul prospers. And some people want to put um, <clears throat> some people want to put limitations on that prosperity. But prosperity, and let me define prosperity to begin with, so that we and, and y'all have heard me say this before. Prosperity isn't just having a lot of money. In fact, uh, having money or having provision, uh, having finances, is just a byproduct of prosperity. Prosperity is really the manifestation of God's glory in the life of an individual. Uh, the, uh, it was Pastor Mikey, I think, that said this. He said one time he was asking the Lord, Lord, um, how, how, uh, how impoverished, what is the lowest of the low when it comes to poverty? When, when has man reached the depths and the, the, uh, the very low point of poverty? And the Lord just said, simply said this, uh, hell. If a man goes to hell, he, you can't get any poorer than that. Now, isn't that, isn't that amazing that the Lord didn't tell him uh, when, you're, when you're living in a shack uh, in the ghetto? Right, right. When you're in northeast Oklahoma City, you know, off of, uh, uh, what is it, uh, uh, Martin Luther King and, uh, you know, somewhere in that, uh, where, you know, where, uh, anyway, um, that's not what the Lord said. The Lord said hell. So it's a spiritual thing. And then so, the, so then Pastor Mike said, well, Lord, what's the most prosperous, the most blessed and prosperous place man can be? And the Lord said one word, glory, Amen. glory. Okay. So the, it's the glory of God manifested. It's God's glory that is real, really prosperity. But see, when God expresses himself, and, and we know that the glory of God is not a cloud, it's not a... Uh, uh, it can, the, the glory of God can manifest as a cloud or as uh, a great light or, or things of that nature. 
But hey, Miss Carolyn. But God's glory is uh, uh, Him in His full expression. Him in full expression. And so, uh, uh, when God expresses Himself fully in your life, one of the things that He will affect is your finances. Now, now here's the thing: is that God's glory can manifest. And, and be expressed in other areas of our life and not be expressed in our finances. How many of y'all are aware of that? Because you, you hear me say that, God in full expression, and you're like, well, God has been in full in expression. And I would say that, uh, uh, that what manifested as Miss you know, Rhonda finished up her song and we really pressed in the other day, that we saw a measure of the manifestation of God's expression. Uh, we were seeing him express himself. When you get in those times, in those moments, you're really experiencing God expressing himself, maybe in a measure that uh, we don't often see, or it's not common that we see it, or it's a greater measure than what we're accustomed to. And some of us, some of us have never experienced the glory in the same measure as others that are here. You know, our, our experiences, our encounters with God differ. But um, just that moment, you know, you'd say, well, if God was in full expression, why didn't it just all of a sudden start affecting our finances? Well, because uh, there are, and, and I'm going to try to say this in the best way that I can, I'm going to spend much of my time this morning just preparing us in, in talking about this, because sometimes are, and I said it last night before Pastor Harris got our concepts of God don't allow the Lord to work in those areas of our life, because we have misconceptions and wrong ideas and wrong thinking about God and what it is that he desires to do in our life. And so the greater freedom and the greater liberty you give God to do what he desires to do in your life, the greater measure of the glory of God that's going to be manifested in every facet of your life. Does that make sense? Does that make sense? So if... um, if you've got a hold of your life, say, in the area of finance, if all you're ever doing is taking care of your finance, now, uh, Andrew asked a great question. Uh, I don't remember if it was in a public setting or if it was in... Pizza Night. Was it Pizza Night? Yeah, it was Pizza Night. So some of y'all weren't here, so I'll, I'll, uh, I'll make sure. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to repeat what he... His, his question was, he's like, you know, um, my transmission went, his transmission went out in his truck when they went to Atlanta for a Thanksgiving, for the holiday. And um, that was unexpected. <laughs> you know, there are things that happen in life that are unexpected. Gabe and I pulled up out here uh, last night, and uh, uh, we were getting everything ready and, and prepared for uh, worship practice. And uh, Gabe went to go pick up uh, 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 Chris and Cade, and he, he didn't get far before he ran in here. And he said, Dad, the, the, the Tesla's got a flat tire, you know, uh, that was unexpected, you know. Uh, everything was fine, but you know, I got in the car. We had 16 pounds of pressure. I said, "Get in." I left, we left the door unlocked. We knew someone was coming along, you know, pretty quick. So I was like, "Let's go, man. Let's get down here and get some air in that tire before he's like." So you know, things happen, and sometimes what we sometimes what we do is we want to take everything that happens in our life and equate it to the will of God. Lord, why did that happen? And we want to make like that was the will of God. Listen, that, 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 those concepts and those ideas will shipwreck your faith. Thinking that everything that happens in your life, that every circumstance that happens in your life happens because it's the will of God is a detrimental to your faith. So, 
You can't equate everything that happens to being the will of God. And here's, here's how people will express that. They'll say, uh, for example, Andrew. Andrew, could, Andrew, when his transmission went out, he said, you know, um, he said to, to me, or, or he said, probably said to himself, man, I wasn't expecting this. You know, you, uh, you have money in the bank. How many of you have, a, how many of you typically have a certain amount of money in the bank pretty much every month there's a there's a there's an amount of money that you count on having as surplus or extra or but you you have a certain budget most of us i mean most of us have a certain budget there's a certain amount of money we can count on coming in a certain amount of money which we which we earn so when something happens that's outside of that budget or outside of that money that we it can all of a sudden start throwing you into a tailspin cuz you're like wait a minute you know how am, I, how, am I going to, how am I going to deal with this? And so what God's, what God's people a lot of times will do is they'll have something like that happen. Transmission go out. Man, man Lord, what are you trying to tell me? Well, God ain't trying to tell you nothing. Your, trans, your car's trying to tell you something. <laughs> your car's trying to tell you I ain't going no more. You know what I'm saying? But, but it ain't the Lord trying to tell you nothing. Uh, your transmission went. You know what? Transmissions go out. Now, some of you are like, well, not my transmission, bless God. Now, here's the deal. If you create an idea and an understanding and a concept of God based on his word that says that you can drive a car and your transmission not wear out like everybody else's, if you can find a scripture like that, then you can expect that. But it's something that you have to, you have, to have had a, a, a word on. Now, I can give you a word on it. The Bible says that when the children of Israel uh, left uh, the bondage of Egypt, the Bible says that they, uh, they went out and they began to travel and follow the Lord. And of course, they, <laughs> they got in the flesh and ended up out there 40 years. But the Bible says that their foot didn't swell. And it doesn't, it doesn't mean that they didn't have swollen feet or whatever. What, it's, what it meant was they didn't grow out of their shoes. In other words, their shoes didn't wear out. And the Bible says their clothes didn't wear out. And the Lord says that uh, they, because of their, uh, uh, what they allowed the Lord to do in the glory of God being manifested, that their stuff lasted longer, that it it was better than the stuff of the Egyptians. Are y'all hearing me today? So, I mean, if you get that idea and you begin to grasp those concepts and grasp those ideas of God, but they have to be based in the word of God. They have to be based in the word. As much as I would, now, this may be something that has happened as a miracle. I've heard people say this. I heard someone say, I laid hands on a woman one time and she weighed 700 pounds. And after I got done laying hands on her, she weighed 80 pounds, you know, 80 pounds wet and her dress was just falling off her. She's supernatural weight loss. Amen. I'm in that line, bro. I'm in that line. And, and when I heard that testimony, I went to look at the scripture and I, was, I never found nothing. I never found that. I never found any supernatural provision for weight loss. But I do know some natural ways to look. You know, you know what I'm saying? And I know that the Lord will help me with my uh, self-control and whatnot. So, so you have to be careful that you don't go and trying to put your faith on something that you don't have any scripture for. But let me, let me get back to what I was saying here because I think it's important. So... Um, uh, Andrew, you know, uh, could, could have gotten shipwreck in his faith if he'd have been like, well, Lord, what are you trying to tell me through this? These circumstances that have happened. Things are going to happen. Storms are going to come. Uh, tornadoes are going to come. Houses are going to get knocked down. Um, 
you're, you might go biking, fall off your bike, break your leg or something. I'm not speaking that over you, but, um, you know, Shreve was hit by a car. Uh, Ted was hit by a car. People travel with me get hit by cars. Um, you know, they got... But, that's right. You weren't run over. You was just hit. <clears throat> now that, that's going to happen. Now here's the thing. Some people are like, why did that happen? Lord, why did you allow that? And that's, that's how it'll manifest. Lord, why did you allow that to happen? That, you know what that's saying? What people are saying when they say that? They're saying this must have been the will of God because he allowed this to happen. Listen, here's the thing. God will allow you to, God will allow you to cross the street here and rob hideaway pizza. But it doesn't mean that he sanctions it. It doesn't mean that he stands behind it. It doesn't mean that's a part of his will for your life. You know, there are things that happen in life. And um, there are things that uh, we can tap into because it's the will of God. But just because something happens doesn't mean it's the will of God. And so Andrew, he asked a a really good question. He said, Pastor, uh, um, I'm trying to figure out how to to go about navigating the waters of this... uh, uh, this transmission thing, because you, your, the word says that God supplies everything that we have need of according to his riches in glory. And he said, so am I supposed to, if my transmission goes out, am I supposed to wait and allow the Lord to supply that need? Anybody ever had that question? Yeah. Am I supposed to wait? Or, you know, he said, I had the money in the bank, um, you know, so am I supposed to pay for it out of the money that we already expected to go toward bills and everything. Because, you know, Andrew, he's in, he's in Atlanta, uh, not Texas, Atlanta, Georgia. And uh, it is Atlanta, Georgia, isn't it? I am in the right state. Yes. Uh, he's in Atlanta, Georgia. And um, so, you know, he's got to get his family home. They, they can't stay there until it's fixed. So now they're on the hook for plane tickets for Ubers or whatever they need to get home or to get someone to hook them up with a ride. Then the repair of the transmission. Not only that, but now they got to figure out how they're going to get back there, pick up this vehicle and bring it back home. Whether they're going to have it shipped, and you know that's at least minimum 600 bucks to have a a car put on a trailer and hauled back. It's gone up 1,500. Wow. So yeah, it has gone up quite a bit. So <laughs> yeah, that's a lot. So anyway, so all these things start falling into play. Now, what happens with most believers and most people in general is they go to figuring out how am I going to do this? That's your first mistake. How am I going to do this? Amen. If God is the supplier of everything that you have need of, you're not going to do it. In fact, God's not going to do it. If he is the supplier, then it's already done. He already saw it. He already anticipated, and he already set things in motion. Now, some of you are going to say, well, why, man, I, I sure wish, I sure, yeah, amen, I wish. Now, see, that's the thing, is that because we don't have those concepts and those ideas, it doesn't leave room for the Lord to do these things in our life. We don't leave room for God to be our provider. So, so Andrew said, well, so what do I do? Do I wait on the Lord to provide that money before I fix my transmission? I was like, well, did you have the money in the bank? He said, yeah. I said, well, then he already provided. Amen. Yeah, but I was going to use that money for bills. Yeah, but God knew that you was going to need a transmission. And so that money you had in the bank was your provision. Well, how am I supposed to pay my bills? Well, he's got that 
taken care of too. Amen. And so now it's different if you don't have any money in the bank. If you don't have money in the bank, well, then you're going to be like, okay, Lord, um, you're the supplier of everything I have need of according to your riches in glory. Lord, I've given and it's given unto me. Glory. Good measure. Press down, shake it together. Run I've done what the Philippians did. I, I, I sowed into your kingdom uh, every now and again. Glory to God. And so, um, so it's, it's different based on your circumstances. But if you have money in the bank and it was money for Disney or money that you had earmarked for something else, you know, we can have our ideas and our plans but sometimes we're not aware of the, you know, of, of uh, circumstances that change, and we're not aware of the fact that God sometimes puts us in a position and puts us in a place because uh, of, you know, having something because He knows we're going to need it. Right. Amen. And um, it's not that uh, it's. You say, well, why didn't He stop the transmission from going out? Listen, transmissions go out. Right. It's just one of those things. Um, Thank God there are times, now if it had been an airplane, you know, you might have could have expected him to get you on the ground safe and sound. Lord, just blow on that propeller a little bit, make it spin a little bit longer, make it produce a little bit more power, you know, or let my glide range be extended farther than this airplane will allow. Go beyond the limits. You know, those are miracles that God does. But Oh, it, it could have been ugly. It could have been ugly. So are you, do you all understand what I'm, what I'm saying? Uh, changing your ideas and, and, and your thinking concerning these things is the first step. And listen, it takes time. Don't think that you're going to go through this four days, and in four days, um, you're just going to have this windfall. Now, God will give you windfalls. He'll give you miracles. Expect God for money, miracles, definitely. But to walk in prosperity and in supernatural increase, it, it takes time for the Lord, especially the way we work, for him to reveal things to us that are standing between us and the fullness of his blessing in our life. And so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read you some scriptures here. Book of Genesis chapter 1. So we're going to talk about how we, start, we begin to change those concepts. Um, and I'm going to reiterate uh, this morning the principle, uh, the principle of environment. If, if you have questions while I'm talking here, you have the liberty to lift your hand and ask me a question. Um, don't, if you can't, hold it to the end. That'll be all right, because the, the way we're doing this is, is it's going to be very interactive if, if uh, that's the way uh, uh, it needs to be. So uh, the Bible says, uh, Genesis 1.1, it says, In the beginning God created the heaven and the earth. The earth was without form and void. Darkness was upon the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. And God said, Let there be light, and there was light. And God saw the light, and it was good, and God divided the light from darkness, and God called the light day, and the darkness he called night, and the evening and the morning were the first day. And God said, let there be a firmament in the midst of the waters, and let it divide the waters from the waters. And God made the firmament and divided the waters, which were under the firmament from the waters, which were above the firmament, and it was so. And God called the firmament heaven, and the evening and the morning were the second day. And God said, let the waters under the heaven be gathered together under one place and let the dry land appear. And it was so. And God called the dry land earth and, gath and uh, the gathering together of the waters 
uh, called He Sees, and God saw it was good. And God said, let the earth bring forth grass. Now notice something. Before the earth brought forth grass, there first had to be an environment that would sustain it. God didn't say first, let there be grass. I know a bunch of these dispensaries wish that was true, but that's not what God said. They still call it grass or am I really old? <laughs> All right. <clears throat> you know, I've seen some of these people use this scripture and God brought forth grass and herb. See, this is all, it's all good because God said it was good. But anyway, that's getting off track. So notice, notice this. Before God created the grass, he first had to create an environment that would sustain it. And, and it says, an herb yielding seed after his kind and tree yielding fruit whose seed was in itself after his kind. And God saw that it was good. And the evening and the morning were the third day. And God said, let there be lights in the firmament of heaven uh, to divide the day from the night and, and let them be for signs and for seasons and for days and, and years and let them be light in the firmament of the heaven to give light upon the earth. And it was so. And God made two great lights, the greater light to rule the day, the lesser light to rule the night. He made the stars also. Notice how he didn't create stars till he created night. And God set them in the firmament of the heaven to give light upon the earth and to rule over the day and over the night and to divide the light from darkness. And God saw that it was good in the evening and the morning of the fourth, uh, were the fourth day. And God said, let the waters bring forth abundantly the moving creature that hath life and fowl that may fly above the earth in the open firmament of heaven. So before God created the birds, and in the fish, he first created water and air. So you're, you're getting the picture. Um, the principle envir of environment is this. Before God creates something, he first creates an environment that will sustain it. See, it's not that some, some of us, because we, we've never, uh, because, because we've never known increase in prosperity in the way maybe, maybe some of you look at us and so... Um, you look at Pastor Annie and myself, and you're like, man, Pastor Zig and Pastor Annie are blessed. And y'all have known that from the time y'all started coming to this church. Y'all, In fact, those of you that are charter members, you know, and, and those of you that have been here the longest, and, and most of you have been here a long time, and I'm not trying to separate the you know, a, a, people that have been here long and people haven't, but, but those of you that were charter members, the first day you walked into the church, that video that I showed the first day we walked into the church, everyone that walked into that church that first day, they knew good and well that we didn't need a dime. We went in there, and, and it's like, come on, now we was in there, and everybody knew. We weren't there because we were trying to, you know, we were trying to make a living. That isn't what we were doing. Now, there, there were, uh, it's unfortunate that many of the people that, uh, that questioned why we were doing what we were doing, many of the people that questioned that uh, were pastors. You know, the only, many, uh, probably, 
It is. There wasn't one person who was just a, a, a lay person or a believer, uh, uh, just a, someone that wasn't in ministry. None of them ever questioned why we started Winner's Church. But nearly everyone who stood in a ministry office tried to figure out and came and drew some kind of conclusion in their own head as to why we started a church. Do you know why most of them said we started a church? Well, no, not most of them. Why all of them thought we started a church? To supplement our income. To have money in the off season. So that when we didn't have something... See, and that, you know what, church? That's why, that's why our, we, our perceptions and our understandings of the Lord are skewed. Because many of the people, and I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to, to uh, diss every preacher, but if you have people that don't have understanding, that have those kinds of concepts and those ideas, that make those kinds of assumptions before they, before they believe that God told us, they believe that we were supplementing our income. What does that say about wh- why they're doing what they're doing? Creflo Dollar, when it came to the tithe. You know, I love Creflo Dollar. I love his ministry. Y'all have heard me stand up and defend and, and try to stand behind some of the things that brother said that I think were misunderstood. You know, um, when people was throwing rocks at him, I, we were trying to throw offerings at him because, you know, he was, he was trying to do the will of the Lord. But when he came out, he began to talk about the tithe. And you, you, what I heard Creflo Dollar say wasn't what a lot of people heard. What a lot of people heard was him uh, backing down on um, the, the need for people to tithe. Right. When in reality, what he was saying was, I had a wrong concept of tithing. Right. I was doing it wrong. Right. I was thinking that the only way that I could get God on my side was to tithe, and that if I didn't tithe, God wasn't on my side. Right. Some of you have that concept sitting in this room. Some of you tithe out of fear and not out of faith. You tithe for fear that if you don't, you're going to go to a bad place. And if you ever tithe from that perspective, it, it uh, puts you in, in that wrong thinking, in that wrong place, having the wrong... Uh, the environment that you've created in your life is not an environment that will entertain uh, the growth of your faith in the area of prosperity. In fact, what you've created is a hostile environment against what God wants to do in you financially. Amen. And so the principle of environment before, now listen, that's not to say that you won't experience God's blessing in your finances. You'll experience it, but you'll never walk in it fully. Right. You'll never experience it consistently. You'll, you'll have it happen every now and again. Boy, I, this ought to be speaking to some of y'all right now. This ought to be answering some of your questions because some of you, you've asked that question. Why is it every now and again? It's because that environment that's in your life becomes hostile against it. And when that happens, uh, you begin to miss. There, you're off and on. Some seasons it works, some seasons it don't work, depending on the environment that you've created uh, in your life. Right. Yeah, David. Do you think that uh, what just that lady said in scripture um, you put you, you, uh, you put your money into a bag of holes and they they <clears throat> honor you as being uh, God's punishment instead of uh, the enemy's attack on the promise? Yes. You know, brother, I do. So getting back to Creflo Dollar and what he said. And, and I appreciate, listen, I, I'm not... I don't know why people think that if you, you know, you talk 
um, about something that, you know, you can talk critically, um, maliciously and critically against what people say. But when you're talking about what someone said, like Creflo, and you're saying, well, you know, it's unfortunate that he believed that way. And it really is. Um, I don't tithe because Creflo said to tithe. I don't tithe because Fred Price said to tithe. I don't tithe because Brother Hagen taught to tithe. I tithe because they pointed me to a scripture. And when I looked at that verse of scripture, there was a witness in my spirit that I needed to be obedient and do that. So, but when we read, for example, David says those scriptures, which he, great, great that you pointed that out. Um, you sow much and you bring in little. You eat, but you don't have enough to eat. You drink, but you're still thirsty. You earn wages, but you earn wages only to put into a bag with holes. Uh, thus says the Lord, consider your ways. When we read Malachi chapter 3, and it says, um, will a man rob God? That's how, I mean, that's a, well, it starts out, behold, I am the Lord, I change not. Um, return unto me, I'll return unto you. You say, how should we return unto you? He said, in tithes and in offerings. Will a man rob God? Yet you have robbed me in the tithe and in offerings. And then it goes into bring all the tithe into the storehouse. <clears throat> so what people uh, have said is um, because that scripture says you're cursed and you've lived under a curse because you've not done uh, for me what you're supposed to do. So the way we hear that is this. If I don't tithe, I'm cursed. God it's not going to bless me. Listen, Brother, Brother Hagin pointed this out. He, and he, he said this in his book called The Midas Touch. And again, you have to read these things in the context of all scripture. Right. Brother Hagin said this. He said, there are people that are preaching that you're cursed if you don't tithe. He said, that's impossible according to right. New Testament standards. It is impossible for you to be cursed because Christ has redeemed you from the curse. So, but there, but there is a truth here. If you don't walk, if, you, if you're not obedient to the word of God and you don't uh, change your mindset according to the word of God, uh, what does Romans chapter 12 say? It says, present your bodies a living sacrifice. Romans 12 uh, verse 2, let's just go to verse 2. Let's not to do the first part, but well, yeah, let's do the first part. Romans 12, 1 says this. Uh, well, let's, I have Joe put it up. We'll read it together here. <clears throat> I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable, uh, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. In other words, the least you could do. Now, these two scriptures go together. So the surrendering of yourself to the Lord as a living servant, not a dead sacrifice. Don't give yourself the gun. Okay, God, here I am. You know, people, that's how people are. I give myself the, I give myself away. You know, it's like a, it's, it's like they're doing something bad. You know, no, God wants that. God don't want us to be dead. He wants us to be a living sacrifice. So what does that mean? That in him, we live and move in him. We live and move and have our being. In him we live. It's the same. It's saying the same thing. Ha presenting yourself as a living sacrifice is the same thing as saying, in him we live and move and have our being. That the life that we live is no longer us that's living, but it's Christ living in us. Amen. The life that we live, we no longer live in the flesh. 
but we live uh, uh, in him. Amen. And that's that verse. Now, some of you think you can't have no fun if you do that. Do you know God will let you go golfing if, if you want to? He'll let you go fishing if you want to. I don't think he'll let you go to the strip club, but he will. <laughs> there's a lot of stuff he will let you do. And it's, you know, he, God doesn't take all the fun out of life. Right. I can tell Ted's not listening because he didn't laugh. So anyway, <laughs> quit daydreaming with Ted. <laughs> So, so the next, so uh, uh, living in him, moving in him, having your being in him is connected to, to verse two. So when you're not, now let me put, because sometimes we don't put these two scriptures together. L- look what, look what is, uh, uh, what is, what do they call that word at the first uh, uh, verse two? Huh? A preposition. So this, this and is it a preposition? What is it? Conjunction. Oh, conjunction, junction. What's your and 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 what's y'all remember that? Um, what is it? Uh, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, y'all remember the song, right? Maybe we should play the song and sing it. But here, but here's the thing. What does that word? What does that word and do? It connects what was said. To what's being said next. In other words, re- what, w- what was being said is related to what's coming next. Are y'all hearing me? It's, and sometimes we don't do that. So uh, presenting your bodies as a living sacrifice, in him you live and move and have your being will produce what? Not being conformed to this world, but being transformed. Amen. You know what God's trying to, and I, I probably should have gone to that television now. So you know what God's trying to do? Or this one. <laughs> uh, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So in other words, changing your concepts, changing your ideas, changing your thoughts. You understand? And so uh, instead of it being uh, something, uh, for example, you know, cursed, you're cursed if you don't tithe, you're not under the curse. You're not under the curse. But when you don't do what you know the scripture says to do, and you don't, and you don't um, get a revelation, you don't get insight from the Spirit on these verses of Scripture. What happens is, is that when God tries to get it across to you, you're not really open to it. And it it can't happen. And so it's not that you're cursed. So having a bag with holes is not because God is poking holes in your bag. It's because there's areas of your life where you're not transformed. And that transformation, that transformation is... You know, your, your, your spirit is a bag full of words. <laughs> and the words that you want in that bag, you want them to be the right words. Because they're going to dictate how you speak and how you think. So um, that principle of environment, 
You've got to create an environment that plugs the holes that are in your bag. What I just say, your spirit was, it's a bag that holds words. You want to write words in that bag. Now, what creates a hole in the bag? Why did the Lord allow that? How am I going to, how am I going to make ends meet now? How am I going to do this? You know, Andrew could have been like, well, I'm going to have to work some overtime. Isn't that how we, isn't that how we do? I'm going to have to make X amount of sales. You know, that, that could be something that Michael got, you could get tripped up in, or Eric, you know, because they, they work on commission and how many roofs they sell or how much business they do. And probably if they were here, they would tell you, you know, that this is a part of the wrestling match that we have because we look at what our need, needs are and then we're tempted to say in our mind, well, I've got to sell this many jobs to be able to do this. Well, when you do that, you've gotten off over there into, into providing for yourself and doing it your way. And so um, you've got to get over it there to that place where you believe that God, uh, it's always been God's desire to supply everything that you have need of and that he is going to do it. And not that he's going to do it when you're in need, but that he's already made provision. In fact, let's go to a verse of scripture. Um, okay, go ahead. two things one is when I think of my spirit it's right it's right because it's connected to the Holy Spirit right but I understand so is the holes those come from a lack of revelation of the word or is it from our mind trying to train our spirit instead of our spirit train our mind like where does those I get you said the holes are from did I answer your question David yeah okay yeah yeah, because it was. Yeah, go ahead. So you understand, but how are the holes? What, where, is, where are the holes? Is that what you're asking? Yeah, like how does that, how does that affect our spirit? Just a lack of the word? <clears throat> a revelation of the word? Well, because my idea is our spirit is whole. Yeah, you know? you're right. I'm, I'm, try, I'm so just trying I'm, to. Because that's came up to me before, but I didn't really, I didn't know how to. It, it, the, the holes aren't actually in your spirit, if that's what you're saying. It's, it's in, your, in your Yeah, it's in your soul. You, you have to understand that when God created man, God didn't create man just spirit. He created us spirit, soul, and body. And sometimes we become so, and we need to, uh, we need to understand that we're spirit, that we have a soul, and that we live in a body. So our soul being... Uh, Mind, will, and emotions. So we, we are a spirit. Say, say that. Say, I am a spirit. So you, the real you is a spirit. The real you will live beyond your body. Will go into eternity. You will carry your soul with you into eternity. Your mind, your will, and your emotions. That's why God created you. Eventually, your body will be glorified if you die, you're going to turn back to dirt. But in eternity, you will receive a new body, a skinny body, a strong, healthy body. I will have hair. My new body. Listen, I'm going to go through heaven. I'm going to be like this. 
No, no, I'm gonna have a pick. I'm gonna have a pick. Yeah. It's gonna have a fist on it. I'm gonna stick it right there. <laughs> anyway, so we get a glorified body. But um but so to I mean to put it fine, I only I said that about your spirit is like a bag, you know, with that holds words, just to create uh, an example is something that you can visualize, but take it loosely. I'm not, that's not a theology. I'm, that's a, a, just an example for you to use to uh, visualize what I'm trying to get across to you. So the inner, our inner man, the Bible says that the spirit of man is the candle of the Lord. In other words, God's going to lead man by his spirit. It's by our spirit that we're going to enter into uh, the fullness of his blessing and see all these things realized. Now, everything's already been done. Pro- your prosperity ain't coming. It's already settled. Your provision isn't coming. It's already settled. It's already done. It's already been supplied and provided. Now, you in your spirit, your spirit, man, is everything it's ever going to be. You know, uh, you're as holy as you're ever going to be. Um, God's spirit is one with your spirit. Um, all that is all that is true. All that is right. But in order for you to carry these things of the Spirit in this, did they just walk by with a mop? Why are you mopping up in the middle of a teaching? Anyway, so <laughs> soaking it in, soaking it in. <laughs> yeah, prophetic gesture. <laughs> So, so anyway, so when you, uh, um, when you understand that these things have already been, your provision has already been, in fact, let's, let me read this verse of scripture in answering your question. Um, Matthew chapter six, you can look at this and we're, we're just establishing something here. Uh, I haven't yet started talking about the, the principles yet because we're trying to create an environment that will sustain. Amen. Amen. And, and you got to work it. Listen, you have to be intentional about creating that environment. Amen. God was intentional about creating the environment. If God was intentional about creating an environment that would sustain life, you have to be intentional about creating that environment in your life. That was So when you say, well, you know, I'm, I don't care about them things. If God wants me to have him, he'll see to it. Yeah. You're not being intentional. Right. I mean, you have to apply yourself to it. You have, to, you, you have to work it, and you have to purposefully tear down mindsets and ideas and, and things that have been, uh, uh, things that have been uh, traditional or, or whatever in your life, things that you learned from a young age. Uh, you've, got, you've got to put those things under subjection. So let me, let me read this verse of Scripture, and, and in, in reading this, finish up uh, answering Sheree's question. So verse 24 says this, no man, uh, I'm sorry, Matthew chapter 6, verse 24, no man can serve two masters for either he will hate one and love the other or else he will hold to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Um, So you can't serve God and serve money. Most people that serve money are broke. Most people that serve money don't have money. Most people that serve money are broke. (laughs) Do you know why? Most people 
most people in the world are broke. God wasn't talking to the 1%. All right. Amen. I said something there. Someone, someone's going to steal it too if they hear it. So anyway, so, so okay, remember that word therefore? Find out what it's there for. Amen. It's there because he just said you can't serve two masters. Therefore, I say unto you. So he's telling you something about them two masters. How to, how to love one and reject the other. How to serve one and despise the other. Therefore, I say to you, this is how you don't serve money. Therefore, I say to you, I'm going to throw it in there. Take no thought for your life. In other words, we have been taking control of something that God has already settled, that he's already established. Every time you go to trying to figure out, how am I going to buy that trailer? What am I going to sell to get that trailer? What am I going to sell to get me a new truck? Now, if the Lord leads you and says, I want you to sell that truck so you get a different truck. Or if God says, do this, do that. If the Lord says, you know what, I got to sell this. If Michael says, I got to sell, I only have to sell eight jobs to pay off the king heir. Right? Let's Let's say he says that. Now, here's the thing. If he sets himself on that path. That could be a self-destructive path. But if the Lord tells him, I'm going I'm to give you eight jobs to pay off that king heir. Then Michael can be like, cha-ching, glory to God. Eight jobs and that king heir is paid for. See, so you have to take no thought. and that, it, it doesn't mean abandon your responsibility. What it means is, don't you be trying to figure this out in your own wisdom, in your, in your own strength, in your own might, with your own ability. But lean into and trust in and rely upon uh, the fact that God has already seen to it. Now, let's read the rest because he goes into that. Uh, Take no thought for your life, what you shall eat. Or what you shall drink, nor yet for your body, what you, what you shall put on. Is not the life more than the meat and the body than the raiment? Behold the fowls of the air, for they sow not, neither do they reap, nor gather into barns. Yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. Are you not much better than they? Amen. So, listen. Sowing doesn't qualify you for reaping because of legalism. Sowing qualifies you for reaping. This, this verse, I'm going to try to say this. I've, I've never tried to communicate this. I have an understanding of it, but hopefully this will come across good. So that, just that scripture, let me read it again to you. Behold the fowls of the air, for they neither, this is what it says, they neither sow, nor do they reap, nor gather into barns. 
yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. Do you know what? Birds do so. But not because they've been told to. But it's, it's built within the nature of a bird. A bird will take seed in its mouth and inadvertently drop it in places where it wasn't at one time. A bird will take fish and drop it in a body of water unintentionally that it didn't belong. And fish will be spawned in that place where they weren't spawned before. And stuff will grow that didn't grow before because the bird is in its natural element. It's, it's doing what it does. It's doing what it was created to do. It's fulfilling its purpose in God. Are y'all hearing this today? <laughs> now see, I've, I've always, I've always, because see, some people look at that and they say, see, you don't have to sow. No, here's the thing. You don't have to sow bound to legalism, like Cleflo said. You don't have to sow in fear that if you don't sow, you're not going to have provision because birds don't. Birds just do what God created them to do. If you'll just do what God created you to do and do the word of God, everything will work out on your behalf and in your favor and you'll never be broke another day in your life. Woo! I knew we would get this. Amen. Gilthrowish. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now see that's that's why the Bible says that everything that we have need of has already that's why we can live in that principle that everything we have need of has already been provided because God when God put Adam in the garden God, God put Adam in the garden to take care that wasn't Adam's garden that was God's garden God didn't create Adam to serve for himself God didn't create Adam to provide for himself in that garden. All, all God created Adam for was to serve him and to live for him and to tend to his stuff. And as long as Adam did what God commanded him to do, he had everything that he would ever need. He had every need supplied. He ate every day. He lived every day. He prospered every day. He talked with God every day. And everything was supplied. It wasn't until the introduction of sin and this whole idea that we had to take care of ourselves. Amen. Amen. Again, so now some people will hear that and say, oh, you're, so you're, you're, you're just creating a bunch of lazy people that don't want to do it. No, the Bible says if you don't work, you don't eat. But work God's way is not work man's way. See, some of you working way too hard in the natural to try to make ends meet. My heart goes out to you because you know what? That's how we were programmed in the natural. But I'm going to tell you right now, this year, I'm believing that many of you, God is going to elevate you to the place where you begin to make double the pay for half the work. 
double the pay for half the work. Amen. Amen. Thank God. Thank God. And that way, y'all can do what's in your hearts to do. So that you can do what is in your heart to do. Listen, some of you, you, you'd be here serving in the house of God 24-7 if it was... Listen, if Carolyn would be here, she'd be like, I'm at the church. I'll be here all day. You come over here, we'll pray together. Amen. You need a touch from God, we'll get you a touch from God. Amen. Listen, the key, would she be up here? Ding, 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 ding. Well, she'd probably learn how to play the piano. If that, amen. Amen. Oh, wouldn't it, wouldn't it be crazy to have that kind of activity? In the house of God, because God's people got a hold of a principle. Amen. Now listen, church, I, I'm not telling you this, I'm not telling you this out of, uh, I'm not reading this out of a book, uh, like a, a, you know, a supernatural increase book. These are, the, these are the things that God put in my heart. These are the things that God put in my heart long before I ever started about preaching. These were the principles that brought Annie and I out of poverty. I mean, we were impoverished. So I'm not telling you something that hadn't worked for me. Now, you know, people can go and they can say whatever they want to say. Like sometimes, and I love, you know, my dad, he's, he, he gets crazy sometimes, but he likes to, he, like, he loves to say things that will shock you. But uh, he really is a, he's a wonderful, wonderful man. And, and uh, but one, one of the things that he has a hard time with, with has, has had a hard, maybe he doesn't now, but at one time, maybe he still does, I don't know, but one of the things that he has had a hard time with me about in the past is that he thought I should, he used to tell me, you need to go get a real job and learn how to work. Because he worked at a factory, you know, blue collar work all his life. He's always worked extremely hard. When, when we moved here in the early 80s, uh, we moved here in 1981 in, here in Oklahoma City, and he was transferred from General Motors. Now, Don and Lynn will remember 1981, that, that time. You guys, you were married already then. Three years. So three years. Did you, did you guys try to buy a home then? Yes. What were the interest? Tell, tell them what the interest rates were for houses in 1981. We locked in at 13 and 5 8, and we were so excited. Because that was low. At the end of the week, it's already up to 13 Do you hear that? Yeah. It was bad. It was bad. That's a, that, those are house mortgage rates. In 1981, 80 whatever. So they got, they, they got up to, if you had bad credit, is 18%. That's what we, we get credit cards and we're like, I ain't using that 18%. That's what people were paying for house mortgage rates. So my dad, when they came here, because this is now, when if this is how you conceptualize things, then you'll be a slave to that. I'm, I'm gonna wrap up here in a second, but um, so my dad, when we moved here, he was working three jobs. He is working at General Motors. He was working for U-Haul as a mover, and then he had another job. I can't remember what that was. Maybe he didn't tell me. He might have been a male stripper. But anyway, <laughs> knowing my dad, he could have been. You know what I'm saying? He has the confidence. <laughs> he has the confidence. <laughs> I'm going to ask him about that. Gonna... <laughs> he was a Chippendale dancer. But uh... 
I know some of you guys are like, oh, Jesus. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, Sheree's like, I've seen Chippendales. He wasn't no Chippendale. But anyway, on uh, another life, in another life. <laughs> but uh, so my dad, my dad. <laughs> so uh, my dad has this idea when he looked at me that I should work as hard as he did because he literally broke his body to retire. He, 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 you know, he, it's hard for him to get out of bed in the morning for his back, you know, things of that nature. And of course, he's, he's extremely healthy. Y'all see him around here. He told you he was seven. He didn't want to tell you, but he's 78 years old. And I mean, he's, you know, Don, Don, Don's not up there with my dad, but Don will be 70 next year. I mean, you look at Don. I, I look at Don in amazement. I'm just like, not, not that I don't look at Lynn the same way, but I've never seen Lynn climb up a tree to, to cut branches off. I mean, Don be climbing a tree like monkey, you know, even get up there cutting branches. I'm like, Jiminy Christmas. And you, you want to stand underneath him, but you know good and well, he'd probably catch you, but you probably can't catch him. But uh, yeah, I've been, I've been extremely impressed, you know, by some, but, but that whole idea, that's something that's been passed down over there, hadn't it? That's what, that's what we've been told. Work, 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 work. And, and then a song came out, work, 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 work. I think it was, I hope it wasn't twerk, 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 but anyway, <clears throat> but uh, yeah, but God wasn't, God wasn't saying be lazy. That's not, that, that's not the word. But that's what my dad always heard when I said, the Lord's going to provide. He, he, here's what he'll say. Even today, if I gave him an opportunity, he'd say, when the Lord, you know, he expects you to take care of yourself. You know, that's, how he, that's how he talked. And, but you know what? God doesn't expect you to take care of yourself. He, uh, he wants you to cast your cares upon him because he cares for you. But that doesn't mean sit around idle watching, you know, binging on Netflix. That means being about doing the word of God. Uh, there, uh, when you work, when you go and you do a job, um, that job uh, will cause you to discover things, giftings, abilities. You know, uh, we started that business of aircraft detail, and I knew that there was already something in me that uh, was satisfied with taking something that looked like a turd and bringing it back to life. You know, I mean, some of the stuff that people hand me is just terrible. And there's, there's so, man, there's so much fulfillment. And, uh, so people watch me in there and they're like, man, you're meticulous. Uh, doesn't, doesn't that, doesn't that get old? Isn't that stressful? I'm like, no. Cause when I step back and look at it, you know, it's a, not everybody can do that. You know, there are people that do what I do that can't do it like I do it. You know what I mean? So you, dis you, dis you discover some things, some things that are very fulfilling, things that you know that, you know, God, when he created us, he created us with such uh, giftings and such abilities and such talents. And that, you, there's a great amount of fulfillment. And so, you know, um, when someone hands me a check for several thousand dollars after I got done, I can honestly say, I know this sounds crazy, but I can honestly say this before you guys as your pastor. It's my prayer that you all will discover this kind of life. 
that when someone hands me a check for thousands of dollars, it doesn't do as much for me as stepping back and looking at what I did and saying, look what I did. I mean, it's just, it's so fulfilling. And you know, the the money is great, uh, uh, but Honestly, it's not like I get super stoked. It's not like, oh, Annie. Now, Annie is, on the other hand, she's like, glory to God, money cometh, amen. But uh, now that she's, you know, materialistic, but she wasn't, you know, it's not her that's doing the, the stuff. So for me, it's, it's a whole different thing. That's having a right relationship with money. You're not working for money. Money's working for you. Amen. Glory to God. All right. Let's, let's finish this scripture up, and then I'm going to turn you loose. Is this helping anybody here? Yes. Praise God. So did I answer your question? Because it's kind of your, your spirit. Everything is settled in the spirit already. The holes come when we don't align our soul, our mind, our will, our emotions with what's already going on in our spirit. Amen. So that whole um, symbol of your spirit is a bag with words. Uh, your, your spirit does hold words, the word of God, amen. And uh, you need to give room to those words. Uh, we create holes in our life where uh, we, uh, where provision, where, because uh, we're talking about finance, where these things go away from us because we dropped the ball in that area. So let's, let's read on. So it says, therefore, take no thought for your life, what you should, you shall eat, what you should drink, uh, nor the body. Behold the, behold the fowls of the air, for they sow not, neither do they reap, nor gather into barns. Yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. Are you not much better than they? Which of you, by taking thought, can add one cubit to his stature? And why take ye thought for raiment? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They toil not, neither do they spin. And yet I say unto you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Wherefore, if God so clothed the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is cast into the oven, he shall, shall he not much more clothe you? Listen, this ought to help some of you with buyer's remorse. My, my wife, your pastor, just before I left the house today, there was a bag sitting in there on the couch. She went shopping for jeans the other day. And uh, listen, I'm going to tell you something. When I pull the trigger to purchase something, I, there is no remorse, not whatsoever. I'm telling you, if I bought it, I'm keeping it. Go ahead, man. It ain't going back. That's right. If I bought it, I'm keeping it. Somebody might be like, well, why did you do that? If I wanted it. I don't feel bad about it. But Pastor Annie, I don't know why. I think it's something with her growing up. She'll buy something and it will sit in the bag for two weeks. No lie. I'm not trying to throw her under the bus. It will literally sit in the bag for two weeks. Now, if I buy it for her, it's hers. But if she bought it, it'd be in there too. I got up, there's this bag and she said, I was getting ready to walk out and she said, and she touched the bag, she says, I'm thinking about taking these back today. I said, what is it? She said, it's them blue jeans that I bought. She says, I'm kind of having buyer's remorse. I said, why? She said, well, you know, I spent a lot of money. I said, how much did you spend? She said, $200. I said, $200? I said, that's cheap. I mean, I don't know. Fat people jeans are expensive. But anyway, so, so for men anyway, it must be the bigger pockets. But anyhow, um, 
Women don't have, do y'all, y'all, y'all men know that women don't have pockets? They don't have deep pockets in their clothes? Women put their hands in their pockets. They, only this much of your finger get in there. Yeah, man. But you know, men's, look at, look at my hands. They disappear in my foot. Look at that. But anyhow, I was shocked. I didn't know that till like two years ago. I'm like, you don't have no pockets. She said, this, yeah, I got pockets. I said, that ain't a pocket. But uh, anyway, she, she had that bag. And she said, I'm having buyer's remorse. And, and so I said, I said, give me that bag. She said, what are you doing? I said, I'm about to tear the tags off of these jeans. Oh. I got that. She said, no, no. She said, dad, no, don't do it. I said, yeah, I'm going to take them off, baby. You, out, you ain't taking them. She said, she said, but, but dad, I, I got to have them cut. I said, I'll cut them. You know, you're going to have them cut. I don't care. You ain't taking these. But the dad, don't, no. She says, you're really, you're really making, you're, you're, you're stressing me out right now. Honestly, she almost hyperventilated. She had her hand on her heart. I'm like, put your hands down. What are you doing? And I had my hand on the tag. I was like this. And she's looking at me. She's like, with her eyes, she's saying, please don't, please don't. And I said, Annie, I said, you have got to get away. But she said, yeah, but what if I lose weight? I said, you can buy some more. That's right. Oh, yeah. Oh, go ahead. What a concept. If you grow out of it, if you shrink out of it, you give it away and you buy something else. Some of you, the concepts and the ideas that you have about God won't let you do that. But notice what it says here. Wherefore, if God so clothed the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is cast in. You know what he's saying? He's saying, don't be worrying about that stuff. That's not what we ought to be worried about. Yes, Carolyn. So going back to those clothes and when we're talking about those ideas in our head, like right now, one of the things that I feel like is, is needing to be like steady or to really get over to me about the love of God that he has toward me. Not for the body, but toward me, that he has toward me. And it was around the holidays that Right. So that was one. And then the other one is just really to understand the covenant. My personal covenant that he has with me. And I feel like I need that in this moment to to get across that when like when it's nobody else, that I am with. Yeah. And sometimes 
Yeah, when you do stupid stuff or stuff that contradicts the word of God, you don't create a problem between, you know, you don't, God, uh, you don't create a problem between you and God. You create a problem within yourself toward God. God doesn't change. Listen, God does not change the way you, have you ever had someone do something like borrow money from you? And then not pay it back? How awkward is it when you get in the same room together? If, if, it, if that ever happens again. Because there's, there's, a, there's a, a set of actions that are set into motion that happen when someone does that. And it's almost never the person that loaned it. Well, it's never the person that loaned the money. It's always the person that borrowed the money. Right? It's always the person that's indebted. And you know what? Nothing, nothing has changed between the way that the per well, the person that you borrowed the money from may want the money back, but they don't now have a disdain for you or hate you or nothing like that. But the person that's borrowed the money, now all of a sudden their actions have disconnected them from fellowship. And, and it wasn't the person that they borrowed from at all. It was because of their act. That's what happens with us. God doesn't change his place. We start to act funky, and that's where the holes come from. Does, it, does that make sense? Yeah. 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 <laughs> okay. All right. I believe the Lord had me do in the past, except I wasn't where I'm at now, you know, at that time. So I don't really, it's kind of different. But is there, I had something happen one day where I felt like there was something in my spirit that I wanted to do, but it wasn't God. There's a difference, you know, and I think it was the first time I ever really thought about you know, like I never really noticed that happening, but I guess because I was like, is this God or is this me? And mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm going through that process at right. this particular time. And I ended up not doing it because God didn't say it. But if we look at other areas in our life, we do things all the time yeah. that God has said at one time. That's right. And it's in our spirit to do it. Right. So I'm thinking <clears> like maybe... I think it was an opportunity for, I think it was an opportunity, I think it was an opportunity for the person, definitely, because it was one of those situations where, like, you gave money to that millionaire. Yep. It was a situation like that, and I had thought about a time where I think they had got me lunch, and I didn't pay for it, and I don't know if there was an expectation or not, but later on, I had an opportunity (coughs) to buy them lunch. So I did, and this wasn't this time, but this time I thought, man, I could be a blessing to this person, totally unexpected for them, and they're people, and they're in the world, they're not saved, they think they are, 
but it would have been a, it could have been an opportunity to to get to an unexpected thing as a gesture from the Lord through me to show them but it wasn't necessarily him talking right. and so that that's that's a that's a thing that we I think wrestle with too sometimes we think that everything we do financially we have to get a direct word from heaven. Well, we have a direct word from heaven. It's the word of God. You, you don't have to pray about tithing. Not something you have to pray about. You don't have to pray about really offering giving. And so sometimes you are prompted by your own human spirit because the spirit of God is one with your own human spirit to do things. Sometimes you just take a, the Bible tells, there's places in the word, in fact, in scriptures that we like to quote concerning uh, uh, blessings financially it says, uh, uh, in one part of one of those verses, it says, let every man determine in his heart what he's going to do. And so um, we can determine in our heart. You know, uh, Anna one time called me, and she had determined in her own heart to do something, and she was asking me advice about it. And I said, Anna, just do it. She said, well, where do I do it at? I said, it don't matter. Just do it. You could, go, you could just go walk up to someone on the street and be like, Here. Yeah, so um, uh, eventually, you know, she, you know, she's like, "Well, you think I should do it at church?" I said, "If, if it, you know, if you want to be a blessing to the church, yeah. If you want to, whatever, whatever it was." So anyway, um, we sometimes we get in those wrestling matches, but if it's in your heart to do it, you you can probably uh, it's probably safe to say that there's. There's a blessing behind, you know, there, and what, whatever, whatever we do, we're doing it according to his word. And there's a blessing that's associated with it because of that. Uh, do you have a question, Anna? I did have a question. It was more so just kind of adding on to what you're talking about, changing your concept of, <clears throat> of God that I've been learning um, this past week, which is awesome because it's all, it's all tying together now. Um, but it kind of goes with what Carolyn says, because I feel like a lot of times, just within myself, um, when I commit a sin that I know obviously is not right, um, I had this concept that uh, I had to start all over again, and you had to build your relationship back to be where you were with the Lord before you committed that sin. And one thing that he kind of helped me realize was um, I was looking at God in like um, almost like begging him to forgive me for my sin and he was just kind of like forgive me you're right there and I'm like you're right there like just one more time and and I thought okay so then I thought well I have to pray more I have to be in the word more I have to do all these religious acts in my mind in order to get myself in right standing with the Lord but it only took one moment of repentance and you're right back right back to that same place that you were with him, but it took me a while to gain that concept to change that uh, mindset that I had about the Lord. Um, goes back to the prodigal son where he was like, I'm going to go back to my father's house and I'm going to be a servant. Like he settled for him to be a servant. But when he went back, the father was like, no, dude, you're my son. Here's your ring. We're going to throw a party. We're going to do all this. You're, you're my son. You're not a servant. You're my son. And um, so, you know, a lot of people, myself included, feel like, uh, fake whenever we commit sins and we have a relationship with the Lord, but in reality, you know, we are fake because we're living outside of what we're called to be and who we are. So a lot of people are like, well, I feel like a wolf in sheep's clothing. <clears throat> no, you're not a wolf 
sheep. Yeah. Fit into wolf That's right. So, you know, so it kind of helps the mindset uh, of changing that mindset that we have with the Lord, your concept of God, because you don't think of him the way that you need to because your mind is so construed with, you know, the natural, the bird. You can't, you don't allow him to function. So it just all makes sense and it all ties into what um, the I Lord's been, yeah. With this, I'm Thank like, God. Because I told the Lord, I'm like, dude, I'm in a situation right now where I'm like, I'm budgeting, like I'm there. My money's tied up and I'm there. What am I supposed to do? Do I need to get another job? And he's like, and I'll, I'll stress myself out thinking about it. Where's this money going to go? Not, can I do an offering? Can I not do Lord, I can only give $3. What's that dude going to do with $3? You know, you're just in your mind, you're just like, I'm just not interested. But then the Lord's like, dude, just chill out and do what I tell you to do. Put your money where I tell you to go. Yeah. You're going to be okay. Amen. How do I do that? <laughs> how, how do I not stress about what I'm going to do? How do I just, you know? Especially when you're used to stressing out. I mean, that, that's been a way of life for most of us. You know, <clears throat> I, my, my ideas of how the Lord does stuff really changed when I had children. Because, you know, when my children, if I gave my daughter when she was little a glass of milk, if she spilled it, I wasn't like, you don't get no more. You know, you'd like to think that, you know, I mean, and I'm, I'm sure there are some parents that were that way, you know, probably, you know, men being evil, um, we do stupid stuff. But, but as a father, you know, I cleaned it up and, I, and, and, and there she's like, like here, here, but, but I'm put a lid on this one, you know, I, I made, I made adjustments to make sure that she got what she needed and I never withheld what my children needed because of their disobedience. Yes. Right. If you if you don't eat all your food, I remember sitting mm-hmm. there having to eat all our food, and then when I grew up, I had I had to break some of these things off. The kids didn't like peanut butter, but you, we want to hold up the blood stain matter. Do you eat peanut butter? Cause your grandma ain't peanut butter, and I ain't. You're gonna learn to love it. I am. I'm going to pray for every one of you. Yes. Amen. Amen. You know, and that, I know that that's a, a hard concept for people to grab because God, he doesn't. He does, I, never, I never did that with my kids. Not that I didn't grow up that way, but I knew that God, the prince, you know, God's principles, his word, um, you know, we're not going to not clothe our kids because they were disobedient. We're not going to not feed our kids because they were disobedient. We're not going to throw them on the porch because they was disobedient. 
You know, they're not going to live in the backyard in a tent because they were disobedient. They're not going to walk through snow barefooted because they were disobedient. You know, their needs are going to be supplied, disobedient or not. And you as God's people, and I'm going to tell you, I'm going to tell you something that's going to be real hard for y'all. But God will spoil you. God is not God is not like man in thinking that the way you go, you know, I I had to go the way of the Lord with my kids because I had already learned these things before my children. And so, you know, people said, don't let them kids sleep. Now, I'm not telling you how to raise your kid. This is just, I'm just telling you a story. Don't let them kids sleep with you. That's not, it'll, it'll mess them up. Man, Gabe was in my bed till he was 12 years old. You understand? That kid slept with us. Mikey slept with us until she was ginormous. I mean, them kids together was in our bed when they was growing up. Um, I, 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 spoiled, I carried Michael. I wouldn't put her down. They said, put her down. I said, I waited too long. I ain't putting her down. Heck, the only time I put her down is when she was finally like, hey, Dad, can you put me down? <laughs> I, you know, Gabe was the same way. You know, I, I tried to hold him, and I've got a picture of him giant in my lap, he fell asleep, and I thought this might be the last picture, you know, and he's a big old kid. Um, uh, I spoiled my kids. My kids, are they were spoiled, not spoiled in a way that they became, because we, yeah, they weren't arrogant and, and not entitled. Spoiled, but not entitled, because my kids don't believe they're entitled. My boy, he drove a Tesla, but he don't believe he's entitled to a Tesla. There's a big difference. How did, how did we root that entitlement out of them? By teaching them the principles of the word of God. Amen. By seeing that these things were a blessing. That these things were things that the Lord was doing as a, a blessing uh, in their life. We, that we were being a blessing to them. And they were, they were blessed. So th- th- that's the same way that God does with us. Amen. Uh, amen. amen. Let's pray together. And... and uh, Let's, uh, let's believe this. Now, we're not going to receive offerings in every, every one of these morning sessions, but I want to encourage you, because here's, here's what we, we do. When, when I go other places, what we do is I teach on it, and then on the last day that I teach on it, we have everybody sow what the Lord want them to sow. And sometimes it's significant, and other times people just, you know, whatever, whatever the Spirit of God puts on your heart. But that's what we're going to do in this. On Friday, you'll have an opportunity to sow, and you're going to sow toward everything that you learned, everything that you absorbed in this time, in this season. And uh, in that seed, we're going to believe for uh, chains to be broken, for bondages uh, to be loosed from off of you, and for you to enter into a new place uh, in your finances. Listen, this is not a gimmick, church. You, you, y'all know me, man, I'm going to tell you right now, I don't think I've had the freedom to talk about this like I have this morning in years. There's a flow, and man, y'all are, y'all are going uh, to... When I'm in revival, there comes a point in time when I know whether people are going to get this or not. I already know y'all are going to get it. It's, a, it's already settled. I mean, the, app, the environment is charged. We, we know it's going to happen. So my prayer is that anybody that comes in here after today gets caught up in our flow. They don't try to drag us into theirs. Amen. 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 So I am. I'm going to be praying uh, not just right now, but 
as we continue in this, for those mindsets to be broken that you have to earn your provision uh, from the Lord and that somehow or another God, uh, as a punishment, uh, won't provide this. And provision is the very basic that God wants to do. It's the very minimum he wants to do for you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over. That's his desire. Amen. So, Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for what you've said to us today. God, we embrace every word, every principle. Lord, we thank you today uh, that your word has brought freedom, that your word is bringing deliverance. God, that you are plucking us up out of one place and delivering us to another in the name of you. We're leaving the land of barely enough, and we're moving into the land of more than enough. In the name of Jesus. Father, I thank you that those of us that grew up, uh, parents withholding from us and us getting that idea in our heads that that's the way you were, Lord. I thank you, God, that today not only are our minds being changed, but our hearts are being changed. And God, that we are walking out of this. It's being rooted up out of us. And we're coming out in the name of Jesus with your nature and with your wisdom and with your ways. Lord, uh, your word uh, there in Romans that we read today said, be not conformed, but be transformed by the renewing of our mind. And you said this, so that we could prove what is the good, what is the acceptable and what is the perfect will of God. And so, Lord, I thank you that we're going to come out of here proving what is good, what is acceptable, and what is perfect, Lord, in your sight. I thank you, Father, that all those old ways are being brought down and your ways are being elevated in us in the name of Jesus. Lord, you created us to be high, not low. You created us to be above, Lord, and not beneath. The head and not the tail. So today, we receive that in Jesus' name. And Father, we look forward to the rest of this week. We're so grateful, God, for all that you're doing. Uh, anoint the service tonight, Lord. Set us apart, God, uh, for your service and for your purpose. And Father, we thank you. We thank you for the privilege that we have uh, to, to be a part of your family in Jesus' name. Everybody that believes you said amen. 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 Listen, I love you. I appreciate you. Go in his presence. Seven o'clock tonight.